Eli's dad, as far as I can tell. He was the one who Stefan was speaking to. He's all over social media and tags his mates in everything. Even... Stefan. So? The mates? Yeah, but here's the thing. He only started making an appearance a few weeks ago. The golf club, okay, pigeon shooting, that kind of thing. So? So they've only just become mates. That's a bit of a coincidence, don't you think? Maybe. Definitely maybe. Come on, let's eat before it goes cold. You go ahead, I want to check some stuff out. The talk of the street. Talk of the street. The talk of the street. Talk of the street. The talk of the street. Talk of the street. The talk of the street. Talk of the street. Welcome to episode 170 of the Talk of the Street, an unofficial Coronation Street catch-up podcast that would have written up better notes this week, but Kelly the Chin's been bullying me and ran off with my iPad, I'm Gavin. <laughs> she's a scary, scary girl. Oh, she's terrifying. And I pet a sheep today. <laughs> must be Friday then. It must be Friday if I'm petting sheep. Welcome to our, our, our second hotel sessions of the year. We're in sunny Connecticut. Yes. It's sunny now. We missed all the flood, flooding and, and rain. and. Yeah, that was fun. That was fun. It was fun driving through the aftermath. I have never seen so many abandoned cars <laughs> as I did in New York. It was like... It was like the zombie apocalypse. Zombie apocalypse, that's what I was going to think. <laughs> we're driving through this and there's another six cars abandoned at the side of the road. And you drive... On like half a mile, there's another ten cars abandoned at the side of the road. And you're thinking, how many more cars do I have to see before I decide, nope, <laughs> you stop and you fuck off back to Michigan. <laughs> it was like, this is a sign. Yeah. Well, fortunately, by the time we got there, the flooding, which had caused people to abandon their cars on the side of the road, had had been drained off. But why hadn't they gone back to collector cars? Well, maybe they hadn't had a chance yet. And also, Metro North wasn't running. The trains were not running in New York. So, they had no way to get to their cars. There was a hurricane. There was a hurricane. It started in Louisiana, and it finally got its way up to the northeast. And at that point, it wasn't a hurricane anymore, but it did cause a lot of floodings and tornadoes in Manhattan. We spent... Uh, two days of driving towards it. Yes. Never caught up with it. <laughs> no. We were smart because we stopped in Pennsylvania to visit the first closeted gay president in his tomb. James Buchanan. James Buchanan. James, I'm not gay. Seriously, guys. Buchanan. Not gay. Not gay. Not gay. I just have a very good friend that I hang out with and I've never been married. And I'm also a prick who rolled back reconstruction, so... Dobby got to pee on him. <laughs> Dobby has peed on more dead presidents than any other dog. More than your dog. More than your dog. Wait. And he's now licking his, his back paw. Yeah, if you we have... may have some whining interference or borking interference at some point during this podcast. But right now he seems content to lick his left, left back leg. He's so... Needy, when you left to get the batteries for the recorder, uh-huh. he just sat and stared at me like, 
don't you dare go anywhere. Because <laughs> I will bark. Yeah. Anyway. When you left to go get dinner, he, he jumped up on the couch and sat next to me. And was like, staring at me saying, don't you go anywhere. Right. Anyway. Anyway. So how are you? I'm, I'm good. I'm, my legs are tired from walking around the fair today. Petting sheep. Petting sheep. Eating lobster rolls and fried dough. And not going on any rides, but providing the wherewithal for our children to go on rides. Very nice. Yeah. See, we're here for I got our... to see big massive pumpkins as well. And no, that's not a euphemism for anything. <laughs> we're here for a wedding. Yes, our tomorrow? niece is getting married tomorrow. Yay! So it's a very strange, it's a strange setup, and it's a strange thing to record, and it'll be a strange thing to get things edited and everything... Correct. It's just weird. I'm not used to recording a podcast with a dog staring a, at you. A foot and a half away from me. He is literally staring at, me staring at you. Oh, oh, now oh. staring at me. Oh, you two are so pretentious with your podcasting. Your terrible Cory commentary. Well, we haven't even started that yet. <laughs> no, we have not. Just you wait, Dobby. Just you wait, Dobby dog. Anyway, shall we preamble, my dear? Because, you know, we've got things to do. Yes, please. Give us some of that. Keening Cory News. <laughs> we mentioned a few weeks ago how former Cory actor Sean Word attended an anti-vax protest. Apparently, he still had something to say about it as he attended another one and this time has been arrested for it. He got arrested? He got arrested in uh, South Kensington's Science Museum. They were protesting and apparently it started to get violent, apparently... Four policemen had to go to the hospital yeah. for being assaulted. So, <laughs> not saying that Sean Ward was one of them that assaulted, but he was arrested. No, that would be a foolish thing so to, to suggest. It would be foolish to suggest that, yes. And now for a pup date. It was very. Pup it's a pup date. It, oh, was, it was excellent that you said, give me some of that canine Cory news. That's I why I happen, said it. I happen to have some. <laughs> Kind of wish I'd put it front and center now. Oh, well. Another of Charlie's dogs, Sarah this time. Sarah the dog. Sarah the dog has had her very first litter of puppies. Six healthy retrievers. Six golden, or three golden, three black. It was a little black one that I saw on Twitter. Bruce. 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 There was a Bruce loose. A Bruce loose. Yeah. Yes. I can only confirm that one is named Bruce and one is named Pepper. I have reached out to Charlie via Instagram for a complete list of names for all six. Stay tuned for an update on whether we have a Keith 2.0 <laughs> next week. Or Craig. Or Craig. Apparently, apparently, I found out after I'd written my notes that one of them may or may not be named Roy. Oh, nice. Hmm. Bruce, Bruce's eyes weren't even open. No. Like they me, were brand like a, spiking new like poops. Piggy. Yes. So cute. Yes. Charlie's so proud. He is proud. He's a proud puppy papa. <laughs> and finally, a new head alert. Another child on Coronation Street has been recast. Harry McDermott, who has played Max for 11 years, wow. has been replaced with Patty Beaver. This is the third child face switch on the show in less than two years. So I'm going to miss 
Ruby, hold on to your face. Miss Max, and he's running up the stairs. And, and running back down the stairs and opening his heart to Craig. Just for Craig to say, well, I'm off then. Right, see you later. Time to go. Cheerio. Oh, yeah, I think uh, I read somewhere that Max has a, has a storyline coming up. He does, but it's an undisclosed storyline. They're keeping it very close to their chest. They're putting an awful lot of stock into the young team. Yes. I, and it's merited, and it's been, I would say, successful well, so far. it's been merited from what we've seen so far. We can't mm. really say whether or not Patty will do a good job. No, but that's why, I don't know, who, who knows why... Who knows? They swapped over, but yeah, there was there was no reason given, but it seems like a lot of the younger cast, due to the pandemic, has has not really had a chance to be on the set very often. So, I think some parents may be uh, sitting back and contemplating whether or not. And he's been doing that for eleven years. Eleven years, yeah. He can't be much older than that. He's a little bit older than that, I think. He's not in his 20s. No, no. But I think he is a little bit... He's been doing it yeah. for a very long time at a pretty young age. Yes. So, who knows? Who knows? And that's Corey News. It's Corey News. There'll be, a, there'll be a sad Max that runs up the stairs for the yes. very last apparently, time. Apparently, this, this new actor is also blonde. So at least for not. There is a similarity. There, there is a similarity. Seen stills. Yes. There is a similarity. Hopefully, there's not a, a voice similarity just for shits and giggles. <laughs> and now we'll podcast for coffee. No coffees this month. <gasps> Nothing to donate to week? our uh, this week to our Afghan fund, but if you want to donate uh, between now and the end of September, any money that we are sent, we will forward to rescue.org, the National Rescue Committee, for the humanitarian work that they're doing and continue to do in Afghanistan. If you want to send us, uh, or if you want to buy us a coffee, you can go to kofi.com. That's ko-fi.com/slash the talk of the street. And we'll be very appreciative of Yes, it. we will. That's like 9.45. I'm, I'm on the Coke Zero now. <laughs> now, hindsight corner. So, aside from my usual overestimation of the distance between Manchester and Hull, I think I said it was a couple of hundred miles. Uh-huh. It isn't. It's a hundred miles. It's yeah. a couple of hours. Scott wrote to say, do you still do Hindsight Corner? <laughs> we, Occasionally. Do it, we do it, we have something to hindsight about. Because you are wondering where Johnny's living. He mentioned weeks back that he's rented a house in Maudsley Street. It was just before Ryan and Alia split up, because I couldn't work out why Ryan didn't move in with him, who he's vaguely related to, rather than Jenny. Thank you for that, Scott. And now, this. Welcome to John Oliver's sewer plant in Dunbury, Connecticut. We went to that. We went to that. I can't believe we forgot to mention that. 
have a photograph of John Oliver Memorial Sewage Plant in Danbury, Connecticut. Fuck you, Danbury. Fuck you. We were driving kind of here where we are now. Saw the thing from Danbury. You said, oh, there's Danbury. That's the place that John Oliver got the sewage plant looked after him. And I said, jokingly, we should go there. And then I looked it up in the map. I was like, oh, it's like three quarters of an hour away. And we were already way late, thanks to hurricane stuff and what have you. Right. But you chose to drive there anyway. You looked so sad when I said, oh, well, never mind. Then I was like, you know what? I'm going to cheer my darling up. I honestly wasn't bothered. I honestly wasn't bothered. And also, you know, our mother was expecting us the next day. And, well, my mother, not our mother. That would be weird. Yes. And (laughs) illegal as well, I think. Yes. So we had time to kill. Welcome to last year tonight with me, John Oliver, minus the <laughs> sewage, sewage plant. plant. Just enough time to quickly talk about Ninja and a Cardigan. <sighs> Ninja and a Cardigan. This isn't this isn't Daniel's creepy cardigan, is it? That's right. This was Mary creeping up on Sean. Oh. And Sean called her yes. a Ninja, a Ninja and, a and a Cardigan. I was Gavin, and your eyes were burning thanks to an early morning hot pepper. Oh, yeah. I don't remember that. Yeah, it was one of the peppers that I grew last year, and I cut it up, and then I'd accidentally touched my eyes. Tomato harvest had begun, and after vowing never to return, this time last year, I went back on the muck and started playing Factorio again, which I was playing. Which you are still playing. Playing today, yeah. Yes, instead of writing. uh, Yeah, I I was playing (laughs) Factorio, and I thought, you know, I'll play Factorio just up to the point where I get the blue science working. Right. And then I'll stop and I'll write the little story that I had in my mind. Uh, and it never, it never no. happened. There wasn't many chuckles in that week's Coronation Street. Tim's dad's vendetta against Alia backfires somewhat as both Tim and Faye are growing increasingly suspicious of his behaviour. When Nikki tells Daniel to stop contacting her, Daniel hears her tell him to contact her frequently, even when Adam approaches him about her occupation. Shona gives us a flash of her bra at Maxine's bench before prudish Jenny puts the kibosh in anything further. I don't remember that. That was mm-hmm. when Shona was going through her needs to get her hold phase. Right. Dave cutting Cathy's hours at the kebab shop is surprisingly affecting. Sean is down in the dumps. Peter loves a meeting. And David takes care of the dishes. Our moment of the week was Cathy losing her hours at the kebab shop. Yikes. And our boring moment of the week was Ray Weinstein picking up some coffee. And that was Coronation Street. That was really effective. That was like the first time the, the show the kind of... Last year. That was the first time the show kind of acknowledged how the pandemic affects people. It skimmed past the pandemic. Yeah, and here yeah. was Cathy who is needing hours and needing work and right. Dave's finding it difficult. And so he has to cut her hours and give her hours to his kids. Oh, no. Yeah, to his kids to pay for stuff. And and Cathy says, how can you do this during a pandemic? Right. Yeah. Yeah. That was good stuff. It was good. Shall we dive in, my dear? Yes, please. So, I haven't done notes again because we're kind of on vacation. I've done some. I've, I've written kind of what's happened. But it's a lot happened this week. Not as in depth. So I guess I'm relying on you to fill in some of the blanks here. Oh great. Our first storyline <coughs> of the week is also our last storyline of the week. So we're gonna get through the three silly wee stories that they introduced on Friday rather than right. just focusing on what people actually wanted to 
to watch. So the first storyline was... Although, you know what? I have to say, I didn't mind it. The last time this happened, that there was like a major storyline for the whole week and they interrupted it briefly on one of the days. I believe it was the whole Carla thing. It really annoyed me when they did this, but this time I didn't mind it quite so much. Oh, no, it annoyed me. I think because... Because I think I kind of needed that that laugh break. I guess we'll get to it, but I think because of the standard of the job that was done on Monday and Wednesday, the Friday aspect of it, I think, fell just a little bit flat for me and probably Mm -hmm. not helped by the fact that there was three storylines that I really wasn't all that interested in. Mm. The first one being brains. On Friday, Curtis has another turn and spends some time in the hospital. He checks himself out thinking that all the tests are pointless because he's been through this so many times before. Well, first of all, he's taking his pills at Emma's right. and he's got to go into in to get results later and she's going to go with him. And he's working and Sean is there for some reason to meet up with Emma for some reason. Whatever. Because apparently they're friends or something. And so they're chatting and Sean's banter is so terrible <laughs> that Curtis passes out Curtis at the pre- hospital and an ambulance is called by Sean. Curtis pretends to die rather than listen to <laughs> one second more of Sean talking. Of, of Sean rant, rambling off all of his nicknames he has for Emma so for some reason. Emmeroids was one of them. Yes, Emmeroids was one. Oh dear God. Yikes. A joke I think that even we wouldn't tell. <laughs> yes. What do you think, Dobby? Yes. And, and Sean at least admitted that Emma doesn't really like that one very well. I wonder why. wonder why. wonder why, Sean. Emma why doesn't like being described as something that hangs out of your arsehole. Bump on your arse. Right. Yeah. So anyway, so he goes to the hospital. The hospital want to keep him in. Yes. He yeah. doesn't want to stay in because he's been through this so many times before. Right. And Emma's like, why don't you want to stay? They want to stay. They want to do more tests. She's quite keen you know and she's const- she's asking the doctors questions and stuff and seems very invested in this because the doctor's talking to Curtis right and Emma's the one that's responding to it. yes because <laughs> Curtis has been through this so many times before he just can't be arsed and he was just putting on anyway to get out of talking to Sean right yes and that's why they they can't find anything and they don't know why right he passed out so Emma seems a bit conflicted with her feelings for Curtis and his likelihood of being around next week. But even so, she invites him to stay with her, pending approval from Alina and Tyrone. <sighs> Why doesn't she just move into wherever Curtis is living? That would be better. Do you think Curtis has parents? No. Yes, well, and the reason why Emma decides to invite him to stay with her is that he, for some reason, does a Zoom meeting with one of the other people who are dying of some horrid disease. Yeah. He has, like, a sponsor or something. Zombies Anonymous, let's call it, yeah. That's not, because I've already used that in my novel, and I don't want anyone else stealing <laughs> it. But anyway. And uh, Emma overhears him voicing his frustration to the other guy about the fact that nobody knows... What he's got. He doesn't know he doesn't what it know. is, and he, he can't he plan for it long. because he doesn't know what it is right. that he's got. And so Emma runs off to Speed Doll, 
with her lap, her pink laptop, and he comes down and he finds her and she says, life is too short, you know, we have to seize these things, why don't you move in with me? Pending approval, mm-hmm. because apparently she's the sort of person who asks her roommates if it's okay to I'd move a boyfriend I'd be asking them nothing. Yeah, I'd be saying, fuck y'all. Mm-hmm. This, this is Curtis. He might die soon. He's living with us now. Yes. Yes. Deal with it. Yeah, also, take that horrid picture down and mm-hmm. put it in your room so I don't have to look at it anymore. Right. You fatties. Fucking people. Honestly. Seriously. Yeah, so he's kind of blown away by her... Uh, her request or right. her suggestion. Her invitation. Right. Frankly, I'm just glad that she didn't say, let's get married. <laughs> but here's this guy who's just been, I don't know, magic to out of the ether as the love interest, the kind of bumbling, handsome fool who right. apparently is terrible with women because he's dying and stuff. Right. And he's dying and stuff. Yes. And he's... Having a hard time swallowing all those pills. He's, he's got one for his kidneys. He's got one for his blood pressure. He's got one, one for, for something heart. else. Yeah. And then he's got one to, to combat sh- the nausea that he gets for from the other three. Which is very reminiscent of the pills that my dad was on. He had yeah. a kind of cocktail like that as well. But I re- so the, had, that was kind of like what I had to go through back when I had Hep C. Mm-hmm. So here he is, just. Out of nowhere. Seems to be collapsing with a bit more regularity, I guess. This isn't the first time we've seen him take a wee turn. Right, and what he says to the guy on the Zoom call and also to um, to Emma is, while I have the ability to refuse treatment and stay out of the hospital, I'm going to do that because eventually we'll get to a point where I can't leave. Mm-hmm. And so he's just kind of pushing it off for another day. I guess my issue is that he's his character is a little more than fish guy at the moment. He's a little bit more than fish guy. I care more about fish guy. <laughs> We've seen fish guy once. Yeah, he hasn't been on it in ten episodes. Right, that's because he's he's busy slicing Moira up into fillets. Of <laughs> Pollock. Yes. I, yeah, so I I find it hard to care. Here's this guy that we don't know who has this thing that he doesn't know and we're kind of caring about it. Well, I care about it, but I don't care about it because of Curtis. Again, I care about it because of Emma. Right. I want Emma to be happy as long as possible. This guy makes her happy, so I'm invested in him staying alive at least for a few more months. I think it's making her a bit wet, though. She's becoming a bit dull as well. She is... Stop being mean. <laughs> you'd rather you'd rather they just throw her into storylines where she gets her hand stuck in a vase? Is that what you want? I don't think that's a, a, a good improvement on the situation, but I don't think this is all that... <sighs> this isn't giving me very much, I guess is what I'm saying. Fine. Our next storyline today is we need to talk about Hope. On Friday, Hope has her first therapy session. Is it her first? It's her first. This is her first time meeting this therapist. She still doesn't know what the big deal about this is. Right, yeah. She's like, oh, I already wrote a sorry letter to Alina. I should be done with this. She's fine. I'm fine. No, I'm fine. She's fine. Yeah. Alina's fine. 
Right, yeah. She still doesn't see what the big deal was with setting the fire. That was hilarious. Mm. The, what were you thinking about before you set the fire? And she's like, uh, I was thinking about setting the fire. Right, yeah. Hello. Hello. I was just like, you answer that properly. Yeah. She didn't want her daddy to leave like everyone leaves. And so she's blaming mm-hmm. that on why she was in right. this sad mood that made her set the fire to stop her daddy leaving because right. everybody leaves her, she says. Right. Her sister left her and everyone's going, your sister? Ruby? No. Jade. Jade. Jade left her. Jade. And her real daddy left. Well, that's one way of putting it. And Fizz and Ty, who are listening to this, grab their collars a little bit because yes. here they are. There's no bedroom to send hope to. No. This time, no. you can't send her up the stairs to wash her hands. You have to sit and listen to this. Mm-hmm. And what they're hearing, pretty much, is a kind of uh, admonishment of their their parenting, or or the effect that right, or the, the, fact the drama that, that she's been involved in has had on her. Right, they haven't noticed these things. They keep saying, "Oh, Hope and Ruby are fine. Right, everything's fine." Fizz has thought maybe she has, maybe she is missing Jade. Maybe, I thought we'd sorted that whole thing out. And and also, it's tough because Jade's not coming back. No. She's a psychopath. She makes hope worse. So, what do you do in a situation like that? Yeah, the bit that I was watching on, uh, not classic, but recent, Corey, was uh, when... It was the last Moira scene, as it turns out, where Jade has called the... I think Hope cut her hand in a picture frame or something like that. Right. So she went to Gadas and told Gadas that she was worried about the bruises that she was finding on Hope and and all that sort of thing. And eventually Hope gets taken away and Ruby gets taken away as well. And Evelyn goes barging into the the medical centre. Right, with Roy. In tow. Well, no, Roy's already there. Yeah. And she barges in front of Roy. Oh, that's and right. And Moira's like, I'm serving this gentleman. Right. And Evelyn's like, that's Roy. Roy's Rolls. And Moira's like, his last name's not Rolls. <laughs> See, that's funny. That's funny. Yes, but let's I go still back to that. Her. I still let's, detest her. Let's go back to, back to that time where... And that was the last time Moira was ever seen again because... <laughs> Evelyn bashed her over the head and shipped her off to Fish Guy. I think so. Yes. There's also a bit where Fizz forces Alina to show off a ring and she makes some snide remarks and at the end Alina remembers that she has parents back in Romania and suggests that she and Ty go to visit them. Right. Well, she does that because she's upset because Ty hasn't texted or called her back about how Hope's thing went because Ty is too busy worrying about how Hope's thing went. Yeah, being there. Yeah, mm-hmm. which is what he's supposed to be doing. And Michael says, well, you know, he's probably afterwards just blowing off steam, playing some darts, which is exactly what he was doing. And Alina's, but I, I, want, to, I want to help. I want to do something. And Michael just kind of, I think just kind of flippantly and, and grasping at straws and just trying to end the conversation, right. which has gotten quite awkward at this Be- point. Before he pretends to be dead. <laughs> right. 
you know, because it, it, at first he's like, well, you know, it's when when he's talking about him playing darts and stuff, he's like, well, you know, it's like what I'm going through with Grace and Glory. There's there's times that I just I don't want to speak to anyone. I just I just want to be on my own and just process stuff. And and then he says something about why don't you just do something nice for him, something that he likes to get his mind off of it. Mm-hmm. And she interprets that as go to Transylvania. Go to Romania. Right. Book tickets to Romania. Go visit my parents who I haven't seen in two years, and drag this man who's at least a decade older than me. Fourteen years, I think we settled on, wasn't it? Yeah, let's let's go and meet your in-laws. Meet my parents with this old man that I'm marrying. <laughs> right. And and Ty does a ten-second smile fade there. A ten-second? A two-second, I think. Hmm. Well, I was giving him the benefit of the doubt. Does it really matter? Well, that's what it's called. It's called a two-second smell fade. Oh, I thought it was ten seconds. Your attention to detail is, <laughs> is astonishing. It's a three-letter word that starts with a T that's a number. That's not, I, it could be worse. It could be tit. Right. <laughs> it could be four. So that's Alina showing off the engagement ring. Quite pleased about that. Uh, well, seems at first, to she, totally tries, be a, at first she tries to hide it. And then Fizz is like, oh no, show it off. And then Fizz gets a dig into Ty saying, oh, I can't even remember the last time I was kissed. Yeah. Which is, you know, saying to Ty, what the hell are you doing? Why are you still doing this? Why haven't you let her down easy yet? Have we learned nothing? We have not. Because despite the fact that Hope's got her therapy. Right. And they're claiming that they can do the co-parenting thing. Right. They're still having these barbs and Fizz is still doing the the passive-aggressive stuff and, and Tyrone's getting himself all flustered and, and rushing away and, and, well, and what be- have you. Well, it's, it's like, because she... Well, first of all, Ty has no business buying a ring like that for Alina when he's got two children to support and doesn't have an awful lot of money anyway and is always complaining about money and how he doesn't have any so there's that and also Ty said to Fizz you know that that he didn't mean to propose yeah, to Alina yeah he accidentally got engaged yeah right and so but she but knows- he's made his bed let him lie in it there's, there's no need for this there's no need for her her uh, her barbs getting thrown at him like this let him let him sort it out. If he's going to get engaged to Lena, get engaged to Lena. Yeah. Fuck it. <laughs> fuck it? Just fuck it. Fuck L- it. Let it harm. Let it be. Because I, uh, I, I don't think that uh, Fizzy's involvement in this and her throwing her two pence and historically is doing very much good. No. Because let's face it, it's, it's her throwing in little digs and stuff that kind of orchestrated this situation in the first place. Right. Do we care about this? At the moment? Yeah. Not greatly. No. I care about Hope. I care about Hope's therapy. I hope Hope gets better. Hope's hilarious. She's great. And she's very sweet because she got a she got a lollipop for for Ruby too. She said, Can I take one of these for my sister Ruby? And the therapist said, Go right ahead. <laughs> and that was nice. Not lying about the fire though. That was just super. Hope is just 
May they never head swap that child because she is. Oh god, no. But you know these delightful. these are, but with, with the exception of the little little part at the end, you know, Curtis is moving in with Emma. Ty's going to Romania. Do you think he's going to Romania? He's getting a break before Ben Price and Jane Danson's getting a break. Well, <laughs> they got a break this week. We didn't see them this week, oh, so that's, that's good. That's true. That's that's good. I hope they're getting plenty of rest. But I I, I can't imagine that Fizz, Hope, or the therapist is going to think that this is a good idea for him to just like one week in the ride off into the sunset to Romania. Yeah, nobody's going to think this is a good idea. Yeah. So he's going to have to let Alina... And Alina, just... Talk about somebody who's just become a shadow of her former self. This, the, How dumb have they made Alina and just totally not aware of anyone else in the world but herself? She's barely aware of that, though. She's just... She's not. That's, she, what, that's my complaint. Met, if she met Evelyn, and Evelyn suggested taking Ty to feed the ducks. Uh-huh. They'd gone and fed the ducks. The first person that she speaks to, right. the first bit of advice that she takes, that's what we're going to do. Right. Regardless of, of, of what impact that's going to have, Regardless of anything that's going on with Hope or or anything else, regardless of, remember they were saving up to buy this place. I don't right. know about Vaham to that. And now she's spending money on tickets to Romania. Which and, and this is cue for you to say in the middle of a pandemic. In, yes, in the, I'm 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 so tired of of pointing out the fact that that we're still in the middle of a pandemic when it comes to these storylines. So and life. And life, mm-hmm. yes, but it's just I, I really I. When we thought that Ty and Alina were done, we were happy, and then they pulled it back in, and we're just like, we're just, we're not interested anymore. This is this we're we're refusing to accept that this has anything to do with us anymore. <laughs> kind of like the pandemic. <laughs> Ty and Alina's relationship is the pandemic. Well, they, they they keep on looking like they're going to finish it, and then they don't finish it, and right. then they, they move it a little bit further, and then you think, well, and there's no point to it. I, I'm not going to get myself all. Nobody, <laughs> I'm not going to get myself upset about this. Right. Nobody cares about it. They care about hope. Everybody cares about the hope storyline. Hope is delightful. Let's just focus on that. Mm-hmm. Our penultimate storyline today then is feeling groovy. Todd tries to get the Undertaker out of the way from the funeral parlour so he can flush feeling down the lavvy, right? Well, first, they're playing cards. Yeah, because it's a, it's a quiet season. Yeah, it's a, it's a slow day mm-hmm. in the middle of a pandemic. Right. There's no one to bury. I feel like I've, I feel like I've poked you as far as the... In, in the middle of a pandemic. Mm-hmm. In, in the middle of the whole Delta variant stuff. Todd seems to be a little surprised that there's uh, that people die more in the winter. So anyway, I can't remember why he sends them away. He goes away to pick up probably something to eat or whatever. Right. Oh, oh, and but 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 even before the cards, the Undertaker comes in with 
with coffee, but it's not coffee. It's a chai latte. And Todd is disappointed that there are no chocolate sprinkles on his chai latte, to which I say, who in the hell puts chocolate sprinkles on a chai latte? That's tea. Who puts chocolate on tea? Well, he has a hot chocolate. He has a chai latte. He always gets a hot chocolate. It's a chai latte. Because the undertaker gives him grief for ordering a chai latte. Mm. It's a moot point anyway, because there's nothing in that cup. <laughs> no. There's no liquid, and there's no chocolate sprinkles. And he's really upset about the chocolate sprinkles. And the undertaker says what everyone in the audience is thinking. What are you, five? Right. Well, I can sympathize a little bit. If you're going to get a hot chocolate, you want chocolate sprinkles. But it's it? not a hot chocolate. It's a chai latte. I think it was a hot chocolate. Well, anyway, so... Tune in next week Todd, for right. like <laughs> Todd is ready to dispose of feelings ashes when mm-hmm. the Undertaker comes back because he's not fallen for this no. subdiffuse at all. He knows no. that something's going on. So, long story short, they struggle with the urn. And they run around that <laughs> casket that he has in the back room that is apparently empty because it's the slow season. Right. You know, they're essentially doing a whole Scooby-Doo thing the around the casket. The Undertaker is trying to catch him. He's a bigger guy. Todd is caught in the back. And to the surprise of no one, the ashes go... All over. Everywhere. And I laughed and laughed. Did you? I did. It was so obvious. Yeah, it, it was so obvious, but it was still funny. I guess. This is this was. Do you know? As it was the the two of them together. The two of them together are great. I anyway. saw them described as Laurel and Hardy online, and I was like, you know what? I can go along with that. The, the, the as a comedy duo, the two of them are working very well together. Yes, uh, they are very Laurel and Hardy. Todd working with the Undertaker is a really. Clever it's, move. It's a stroke of genius because it's the only thing that humanizes Todd. It really is. I mean, you can put Todd with Billy as much as you like, and he's never going to be any more than just a prick. A mustache twirling demon. But you put him with uh, the Undertaker, and you kind of start to forget about the whole Billy stuff, and you start to forget about all the things that Todd's had his hand in that's been of a, a less than honest source and yes. the, the, the pews getting sold and the mm-hmm. heat pump getting sold and being responsible for someone getting knocked down and the piano getting smashed and, and, and threatening that up. kid what's his name Will Will all that stuff kind of you kind of forget about it a little bit when he's with Undertaker yeah he's just like I said he's it just humanises him it's, he, he, he becomes almost likeable it's the master and apprentice kind of yes. dynamic that yes. seems to work really well with the two of them. I really enjoy it. Yeah. It also kind of made me think about uh, what Todd expects in the way of forgiveness. At least we're not dwelling on that anymore. At least we're not having the storyline where he keeps... Where he does essentially what Hope has done. Right. Saying, I've already written a sorry letter. Mm-hmm. Billy's fine. He'll forgive me and take me back. So the ashes spilt on the carpet that generate yet more slapstick humour and... Absolutely. And the question mark of how are we going to 
retrieve these ashes. The Undertaker does the right thing and grabs a broom and a dustpan so that he can collect it all and put it all back in. Mm-hmm. And you would think in that tube there would have been like a plastic bag, a sealed plastic bag or something, but never mind. And then Todd gets a plugs in the Hoover. Yeah, he gets a Hoover. And that was hilarious. <laughs> the Undertaker's like, no, and unplugs it and everything. And that was so funny. And Ireland comes in and sees what's going on and thinks right. that they're using somebody's ashes as shaking back. Right. Was shaking back a thing here? Well, we have like it's that powder like it, right? stuff that right. you that you put on the carpet and then you vacuum it up and it collects like Right. And that's a shaking back. Yeah. And it makes the room smell fresh. Right. Do the shaking back and put the freshness back. Do the shaking back and put the freshness back. If your carpet smells fresh, your room does too. Every time you vacuum, remember what to do to the shaken vacuum, put the freshness back. Y'all's commercials are rubbish. I think. Yeah, she thinks that there's, this is kind of... Unless there are meerkats involved. Elderly, shaken back stuff. <laughs> so they explain it away by saying that this was an unclaimed old Pensioner. lady. Yeah, 91-year-old woman Five years, Pat. named Pat Sage. No, not Freeman or Ray, something. Whatever. Um, and Eileen predictably feels heart sorry for this old biddy who yes. has nobody, no family left to claim her ashes and right. so now wants to give the old dear a bit of a right. send off. Little realising that this, these are the ashes of her former husband and serial killer, Pat Phelan. Right. Yeah. And, and she's like, well, what do you do with them? And, and the undertaker's like, well, after five years, we have kind of a memorial garden that we just kind of spread them in. And, and Eileen's like, oh, well, how long has she been here? Five years. And Todd, is, Todd just immediately says five years. The undertaker's looking at him with a very hearty face. Oliver Hardy face. Yes, yeah, a very right. Oliver Hardy face. You know, with the eyes bulging out and everything. He just needs one of those tiny, tiny Hitler mustaches. Mm-hmm. And tooth, a bowler hat. The toothbrush moustache. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Tony Maudsley is really digging deep into his uh, right. pained expressions Absolutely. suitcase. To, and doing a great job. Yes. Yeah, so they're, they're almost uh, on a par with Steve Muffet faces. Yes. Or, or Dev, just regular Dev. Yes, Dev being Dev. Right. So... Why don't they just say to her, this is Pat Phelan? I don't know. Todd seems to think that she would she would do a Eileen smash if she was to know that Pat Phelan was stuck in the closet. Frankly, I don't think she'd care. The she man's would, dead. He's dead. I think... This is, this is proof of that. She'd be surely. like, good, keep him in a closet. Where nobody thinks about him. I think she'll be more upset if she finds out that they tricked her into spreading Pat's ashes. It's it's the the law of Coronation Street, as always. She's going to be more upset that she gets lied to, and yet they continually lie to her. She'd have been upset. Right. I'm sure. And but would she have... the undertaker was about ready to tell her the truth before Todd starts talking about the 91-year-old pensioner. Right. Pat... See, see, right. yeah. yeah I, I don't, I don't know why. Well, I do know why. Right. It's, it's, it's to be funny. And let's spin this out for a little bit. And we right. have 
we have a trial here that's taken up two thirds of the episode, and we have right. a third that's left to fill. And so it's let's all very some of this. serious and everything. So let's do something lighthearted right. and joke about with ashes. Yeah, I like this a lot. Yeah, me too. And I'm, despite myself, warming quite considerably towards Todd in this environment. Yes. Only when he was only when he is with the Undertaker. Right. Any other time we hate Todd. Alright, so we haven't really talked about it and this is obviously the main event of the week. The main event. Let's let's talk about memories of Seb, shall we? <sighs> On Monday, Nina hears music in Royal Rolls that triggers a memory of the music that was playing or music that she'd heard during the attack. No. No? No. She hears music that she remembers hearing when Seb stopped on his way to go pick up that necklace for his mother. Right. And this, along with Abby producing the toy ring, because maybe this will help you, it encourages Nina to have an idea because she's got little bits and pieces of these memories coming back to her and she needs something that's going to trigger more of it. She has the idea of... Going back to the... the, Right, and walking through. Right. And Abby has this idea, and Abby brings this little bag of Seb's effects of the things that were stuck in his pockets, which... Thanks, Abby, for thinking about this four months later. I don't know why they didn't do the reconstruction much, much sooner. Yeah. Because Abby's had experience of this when... Was it Debbie? Debbie or Ray? Something happened in the... In the bistro, and right. she got knocked. Did she get knocked out? I can't remember, but whatever she, it looked like, mm-hmm. um, Debbie had killed Ray. Right. And Abby reconstructed it all in her head by going back to the scene, right. by going back yes. to the bistro, and remembered Debbie. Debbie was there. Right. When she got attacked. Yes. So she doesn't think to say, <laughs> Nina. Well, it kind of maybe sounds. It kind of sounds like. Nina did go and walk through. It's it's the it's that bag of of evidence that the police gave the her. Toy you ring know, really and, is and the she's key. Yeah. yeah, that is absolutely the key because that's the thing that triggers her. And it's funny because I remember when that ring fell off, and we dwelled on it so long during the attack right. because we couldn't dwell, we couldn't see people actually getting kicked or anything at that point because of the pandemic that we are still in. I was always thinking in the back of my head throughout all of this, where's that ring? Why is nobody talking about that ring? Mm -hmm. So it's, it's, it's good. So they go and they walk through and everything. And, and the more she walks, the more she remembers. Yeah. She takes Asha, Abby and Summer along for the ride they reenact some of the events which helps Nina remember the route that she took and that she remembers how she ran away from the attack because she assumed that Seb would just get up and would be behind her and so she's beating herself up about that, about how she ran away from it. And they rem- she remembers that they doubled back and that they hid for a while mm-hmm. and that was very sweet because we got to see Seb and Nina kiss right, and actually see them kiss. And this was something that I mentioned to you through the week that I'd read a, uh, an interview with Molly Gallagher saying that all the way through the relationship that she had with Seb uh-huh. for however long that lasted, a month or whatever, she was never 
closer than the six street. feet away from him. Right. And then this was the first time, the first scene that they have together where they're, they're close enough to kiss. Right, and he's, he's like he's already playing dead, with her, right. playing with her hair and everything, and it's so sweet, and it's so cute, and it's so wonderful that it just breaks your heart all over again that they didn't get more time together. But what a great way to tell a love story like that, where the chemistry was really, you know, we remarked upon how strong the chemistry was, and it was strong between Nina and Asha as well. And but I'll, not as strong. Not as strong, but I presume that they went through the same kind of restrictions where they couldn't be standing so close to each other, but the fact that they managed to sell a love affair twice with yes. Nina. Absolutely. During a pandemic. Where no one was standing six feet nearer. Right. Is remarkable. Absolutely. Absolutely remarkable. So, yeah, and then... Nina, as she gets to the point where she was remembering being on the ground, and there's a horrible scene where the camera pulls away from her remembering being on the ground. Right. And the, the sound effects and the, the sound uh, landscape in mm. these scenes is really, really remarkable. Absolutely. Because you don't see anything, but you hear no. it. And it's enough that you hear it in the back of your throat. It's like when a, a marching band goes by and you hear the drum beating mm-hmm. in your throat. It's like that when you hear these kicks yes. that are being landed upon Seb that you don't see. But then you also see, or you, you hear a kick that's been landed on Nina from somebody that you don't see because they're behind a car, but right. she's on the ground and, and you, you see, see her, her jaw. Move. And oh. it was, holy shit. Yeah, that was, was amazing. Yeah, amazingly really was. effective. Yes. But she, through all that, now sees what happened. Yes. Which was, Corey was out of control, kicking and kicking and kicking, and Kelly, as she has been saying, right. was the one who was trying to stop, to stop it. it happening, but Corey was far too strong for her, far pushed her big. out of the way, yeah. and and continued to lay more and more blows in on, on Seb's head. Yes. I don't know if we were supposed to be surprised by that. Because I, I felt that this was obvious. That yes. It was obviously Corey. Right. And it was obviously... If Kelly was involved in it, maybe. The, the real mm-hmm. shock was that Kelly had nothing to do with it. Well, she had nothing to do with the, the, the beating. Right. She had plenty to do with what had happened, but she had nothing right. to do with the actual end of it. Mm-hmm. But it was like we've expected this for so long right. and, and now here's the evidence of it and yet it was still it still came as a little bit of a surprise and a shock to see him standing there yes. over Seb's body. Meanwhile, Sabina's with ITV Corey and they're going through the events from his point of view again and he's telling a story of a superhuman Kelly the Chin who <laughs> did a flying sidekick. Right. Like Bruce she is, Lee. She's the karate kid. <coughs> she's the karate Kelly. And and Sabine keeps a straight face throughout all of this and believes him. Well, I thought because she keeps such a straight face, it was like she's smelling a fart here. Mm-hmm. Well, and it does seem that she kind of smells a fart because she says to him, because I'll, because at first he's like, no, 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 I wasn't there. I didn't wasn't involved in anything. And she's, she kind of has to stop him and say, uh, yeah, you were. This is stuff that's already on the record, that right. you were there. 
don't you remember you were there? And then he's like, oh, yeah, that's right. So Kelly does this karate chop kick on the back of <laughs> Seb's back. She shouts, down. But she does it. And then I was not able to restrain this tiny girl mm-hmm. with my... Apparently he's six foot one. Yeah, I can believe it. Mm. Well, we'll get to that later. So, uh, yeah, Sabina thought she wasn't entirely buying it. Because ITV Cordy looks far too cocky for someone right. so young facing such a serious charge. But right. she knows that they have a strong case and Kelly has a weak one, so probably reckons that they can pass the blame. In the cells, ITV Corey remembers his change of clothes and disposing of a rucksack in the river. That and floats for some reason. <laughs> and how easily he duped Asha. And we also see him berating a nervous Kelly, the chin outside the flats. Yes, and later. threatening her. Mm-hmm. He really is remorseless. Meanwhile, Kelly, the chin, is doing the same with Imran. She takes news of the expert being a doofus and the option of pleading guilty to manslaughter quite badly, and we go through her version of events, which jives with what Nina has already remembered. When Nina gets back to Roy's role, she announces that ITV Corey is the guilty party, and Kelly was just trying to help, and <laughs> Abby's there and says, well, I know you overheard this. Mm-hmm. What did she call Simon? Oh, I can't remember. But it was hilarious. Yeah. So anyway, Simon's there, hears it and thinks that he can still get his hold off of Kelly. So he rushes to tell Imran, who then rushes to tell Kelly the chin, who then rushes to assume that this news means that she's likely to get off. Nina agrees to go and tell the police and accepts Roy's offer to accompany her. Now this was an episode on Monday that was built a lot round flashbacks and yes. and characters remembering stuff. And they had that kind of drained palette of... You know, when you're to tell the difference between what's happening now and what's happening in the past, right. if, if you can't figure it out, the one with the drained palate is the one that people are remembering. Yeah. And I the thought one that, that was, features someone who's dead now. Right, that's that's a clue. Yes. I thought that was great. Yes. What I didn't think was great was the beginning. Was the opening, where people are walking backwards. I yes. felt that was. People try and do dreams so weirdly, and people do dream weirdly, but. You never see an accurate representation of how you dream on screen. So it just, to me, it, it always looks, this is trying way too hard to be weird. Right. And it, it I didn't feel, I, I, I liked the music going in and out of the dream. That, I thought, was very effective. Because that, that is something that happens, right? You, you wake up with a song in your head and... You and realise that's a, that it's playing. You can hear it right. somewhere, right? You're like, what? I was just dreaming about that. Um... But and you know also it's a dream because you see Seb across the street barefoot walking along Coronation Street. Like Paul from the cover of Abbey Road. Correct. Seb question mark? Seb is dead. Oh well you couldn't raise the question mark <laughs> But other than that I thought they did it they did it really well and like I said, just the I thought that it's 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 rare that I think you realise how important sound is mm-hmm. to a visual. Yes. But here it was remarkable. It was, like, it was an extra dimension to the stuff that you were seeing. I thought, Absolutely. I thought it was amazing. So on Wednesday... It's and we a, also get a reference to Proust and his sandwiches. <laughs> yes. On Wednesday, it's the day of the trial and everyone's getting ready. Roy is taking the time to pack an extra bag for Nina 
And as the way in the court waiting to, uh, for Nina to be called, he asks her if uh, avoiding her look makes the baddies win. And he points out that he gets pelters from people for his look, for his haircut and for his coat and for carrying his shopping bag and stuff. And being obsessed with railroads. Right. And Nina says it's not the same. It is the same, though. It's exactly ah. the same. Because just like how how Nina's attire isn't a costume, she's not dressing up. No. Neither's Roy. No. That's Roy being Roy. Yes. Just like it's Nina being Nina. Yes. So I thought that was a little but I think, unusual for her not to realise that. I think I think what what Nina was trying to say is that her look went beyond... Her gothness went beyond dress and what she looked like. But at the same time, Roy's weirdness goes beyond right. what he looks like. So... I don't know. It seems more like a defense mechanism on her part to just say it's not the same, especially well, considering what happens after. That feels a very uh, youthful thing, right? To say the last thing that you want to be to have pointed out to you is that you're the same as your old uncle, right? But I think Roy was right, and I think it was kind of sweet of Roy to yes. to reach out and yes. and say, you know, I I I. I kind of know what you're going through here because I've been mm. going through this my entire life. Yes. And he's he's coming from a, a, a place mm-hmm. of knowledge on the matter, I think. So. And also, nobody's beat Roy up over his looks. No, or but Paul. he's he's had verbal abuse. This is true. Constantly over yes. the years for it. Anyway, the prosecution and them rather happy to allow Nina's new statement into evidence. Sabine, not so much, but she's outnumbered, so... Neener, neener, Sabiner. Yes. So we go through, during the trial has started, and we go through a, a brief line of people who were grabbed from a passing bus and told to act like doctors and 999 operators. Yes. Let's, let's skip quickly by that, shall we? The woman in the red lace top. She's in there with Nina in the waiting room. And then she's in the courtroom, and I think she's the stenographer? But they spend an awful lot of time on her when she's in the room waiting with Nina, and then when she goes out, and yet she never speaks. No. That bothered me. (laughs) Next up, it's Nina. And they kind of, they make it a big reveal. Yes, they do. She's standing there doing her, reading out her affirmation and you can't see her face, but you can tell that she's... And you see everybody reacting to her walking in. You see <gasps> Corey's reaction, you see Kelly's reaction. Abby gives a smile. Yes, and Kelly kind of gives a little bit of a smile too. And Roy does that cute little wave from the oh, balcony. Oh, my oh, God. So sweet. We can talk for an hour and a half about that wave. Yes. This is... And what it means to Nina and what it means to Roy. It's so good. It means everything to both of, to them. Both of them, right? Yeah. Because here it is, it's a, it's a connection, it's a, it's, you're not alone and I'm utterly proud of you. Right. And it was like so, so clear. And he conveys, so, he conveys all of that without saying a word. It's just on his face and in the wave. It's just, ugh. It's he smiles. I want Roy to be my uncle. <laughs> I, I'd take it. I would take it. 
he manages to convey in I, I think it's maybe two seconds worth of screen time just the love and the pride and the admiration that he has for Nina in that moment is it's remarkable what he manages to do absolutely. you talk about show don't tell this is yeah. this is this is absolutely show don't tell yes. this is enough show to be doing you for um, for the next 22 minutes give that man <clears> all the awards <laughs> shove them at him but imagine being Nina in that situation where you know you're you're wearing you're wearing the clothes that make you you you're being yourself again for the first time in months mm-hmm. you're in a really hostile uh, environment there are people that are there that think that you're a liar and there's people that don't trust you and there's people there that absolutely hate you and you look up to the balcony and there's Roy with his smile and his and wave, wave and you're that's just all that right holy shit that's just beautiful. incredible just so beautiful so Sabine uh, goes in hard on Nina who's now right obviously after she's given her statement she's yeah. in her full goth gear and she's kind of smarmy to her and she's questioning the, le- the legitimacy of her memory she says that she has her first statement that she made where she couldn't remember anything then she has a graphic novel where let's note that there are no females in this graphic novel no. points out Sabine and we know that Kelly was there so mm-hmm. this isn't an accurate record either although nobody said that it was no. right and then now we have this new memory that's four months later that we're expected right. to believe is... That happened, like, the day before this trial started. Right, so which is true? What are we expected to learn tomorrow when another new memory comes out? Sabine has never remembered anything in her life. No, apparently not. Because this is how memories work, right? Well, Maybe yes. not four months, but... But she's doing her job, which is to make the jury doubt... Nina. The, the juries that we never see. No, we do see them briefly. We, we Yeah, no, because there was that one man in the jury that they showed. He has grey curly hair. <laughs> I'll have to look back on that because I saw nobody in that jury. Nina is adamant, though. It was Corey who kicked Seb to death and Kelly tried to stop it. And you, Sabine, you can get to fuck with your snarky expression. Right. And she forces Sabine to apologise. And when Sabine does it, she says, no, I want you to apologise properly to me. Yes. And the judge is like, what? Say my name. And Sabine, she does it. Yes. Eventually. And at that point, I'm I'm standing up applauding Nina at this point, because good for you. Just because you're there being questioned by these people doesn't mean that you're, you, you shouldn't expect to get a bit of respect here and right. she's the one that's she's the one that's been injured yes she's a, she's a, the the living injured result of this yes this uh confrontation and she's been treated like she's a criminal yeah no you're fucking right nina get stuck in here mm-hmm. imran just gets nina to recap who did what yes nice and simple three questions mm-hmm. and then he's done after nina's Evidence is a break, and Sabine, ITV Corey, and ITV Stefan are gathered strangely round about the judges? Yeah. Pulpit type thing? Yeah, they're still kind of. They're like in the corner. They're in the court. But 
you can still see them and hear them from the balcony, right. which is important. And they're talking about how they think they have the upper hand and that Sabine thinks that she's done a decent job at, at introducing doubt into mm-hmm. the jury, which is what she's supposed to do. And uh, ITV Corey, in a moment of madness, decides to get on his high horse about it and call Nina a freak. Which is heard by Abby, who's in the the gallery or the balcony Mm -hmm. or whatever. Nina, meanwhile, also thinks that losing her temper fucked up the case for them. I'm not sure I agree with that (laughs) at all. If anything, I think it made it stronger. I thought so too. And I think her showing up just as as she is Mm -hmm. made the case stronger too. Because I think if she had gone in in that drab olive grey jumpsuit that she was wearing at first. Right. I don't think it would have conveyed as much emotionally compared to what she ended up wearing. Right. It makes it very hard for people to imagine when she's saying things like she's used to be get she used to used people to staring at her and all and that sort of her freaking right. stuff. Yeah. Another thing to thank Roy for. Yes. That in man. his little insulated bag. It was so cute because it was like one of those insulated food bags. And her makeup it was in like a little click and click Tupperware keep away thing. Right. Which was so cute. Yeah, Roy probably wouldn't know what to do there. Yes. Next in the dock is Asha. I wasn't sure why Asha was there. But anyway, Sabine gets her to admit that she used... ITV Corey's phone without his consent, but she also gets a And got him drunk. Right. Not anything more than that. Because he was drugged as well, remember? Yes, but nobody knows that except for Asha and Abby. And she also gets Asha to admit that she still loves Nina, which now pours doubt over her testimony as Asha has proved to have a history of saying and doing anything to support the people that she's currently in love with. Right. Imran, though, takes another tact and focuses on the timing of the relationships that Asha had with ITV Corey and Nina and how ITV Corey hated the choker that Nina got her for her birthday, said that, that she looked like a dog right. and would throw food at her yes. and stuff. And Nina hated how ITV Corey treated her. So Imran puts it to Asha that she played ITV Corey against Nina, made him hate her, encouraged Nina to intervene, and that was why he really attacked her. It had nothing to do with how she looked, says Imran. It was all jealousy. Yes, which is what we've been saying from the very beginning. So thank you, Imran. Right. Thank you. Kind of the way he put it that, you know, making it seem like, you know, Asha was at fault for Corey's jealousy. That I was kind of like, Asha's not responsible for ITV Corey's. Reaction, And I also no. hated Sabine bringing up the video, you know, and even when Asha says, I did not give him consent to videotape me. Right, because that she, all... ke- she kept talking about the video as if it was something that Asha gave consent to, when Asha clearly says, no, I didn't give consent for this to be done. And Sabine keeps wanting to make a big deal about the fact that it was Kelly that shared it. That was the main point that and, she was trying to make. And again... Which proves what? Yeah, that proves nothing. And also, let's focus on the fact that this this boy that you think is so sweet and nice, who you're trying to paint in a nice light, 
you've just have you now because of you it's on public record that he recorded a young girl undressing without her consent right walk in the street uh, and and what is that prosecutor doing he does he nothing. does nothing he sits there and does nothing he I gets think asked he maybe asked two questions he made the opening remark of just two people walking home mm-hmm. that's all it was two people walking home and that's pretty much all you hear from him yeah do you have any questions mr whatever your name is no, no questions, problem. my lady. No questions. No, no questions. Will you wake up? Do something. <laughs> it's it's like he's like, well, you know, one way or another, one of these kids is going down for this, he's, so I don't have to do anything. He, right, he seems to be letting them fight it out amongst themselves. The prosecution's position is that they're both guilty. Yes. So and he's really and matter. he's just letting the two of them blame each other. Right. But the problem with that is that as if there's reasonable doubt on both of them. Yeah. Then, then both of them going in down. Right, yeah. then both of them walk free. But I think how it tends to happen, it doesn't happen that often where you have two co defendants blaming each other. Mm-hmm. But what tends to happen is the jury suspects that what they're doing is is they're manufacturing this so that there'll be doubt and they'll both get let off. Right. So we'll find them both guilty. Yes. Seems to be how it goes. So we'll see. We will see. Back on the street, Imran is approached by Dev, who is not happy at how Imran has made Asha blame herself for the attack and she's crying herself to sleep now. Well, maybe she should cry herself to sleep. <laughs> Imran says he hated every second of his question. He didn't seem to be hating it. No. But he'd do it again because Asha gets to go home tonight and Kelly, the chin, doesn't. Does not. Yeah. And when Dev asks Imran how he sleeps, Imran says he doesn't. Yeah. He hasn't slept for weeks. Yes. Thanks, mate. Yeah. You're a bully, says Dev. Oh. And Imran says, you want to see me bully someone? Pop along to the court tomorrow when I'm going to tear ITV Corey a new asshole. Or just show pictures of puppies. <laughs> right. We'll be happy with either. Yes. Or both. Both is good. The thing that we didn't mention... Uh, that you mentioned when you watched it was Nina's reaction to the whole graphic novel thing. Yes. Oh, we loved that. We loved that. You love to hear it. Stop calling it a graphic novel, says it's, Nina. Yeah, it it's not it's a comic. even anything. And it's not, it's just barely a comic. It's just drawings. There aren't really very many she word said, bubbles or anything. She said, and the word, the word bubbles that I think we saw were question marks. Yes. This isn't meant to represent the truth this is meant to represent Nina trying to find out what the truth right. was yes this is the my way of processing all of this it's not a graphic novel you know graphic novel is something that people say when they don't want to say comics and partially she's right and partially there are things graphic novels are a thing you know not not all comic books are graphic novels and not all graphic novels are comic books but you know there's all there's thumbs no are fingers but not all fingers are thumbs right mm. yes so on Friday ITV Corey takes a stand now and makes a, a fake emotional case for his innocence claiming again that, that he was no match for Kelly's overwhelming oh. power and strength but before this happens before this happens we see Abby and Kev entering the courthouse and ITV Stefan 
is standing with another man who also has gray hair mm-hmm. and is very quiet Right. when they walk in. And, and Abby's like, who's that guy? And they stare at, this guy stares at Abby. Yes. And Abby stares back. Yeah. And I think guy? if I was Abby, I'd, I'd wait for what him to look away. What the fuck are you away. looking at? Right? What the fuck are you looking at? Asshole. Seriously. So anyway, ITV Corey claims that he was no match for Kelly's strength and was terrified <gasps> of Rick the Chin. He's terrified that he was going to be killed. Right, yes, because Kelly's... How can any? How can anybody... Nobody's seen Rick the Chin for more than two years. Right, nobody's seen Rick the Chin for two years. This is when Gary needs to... This is when Gary needs to step up and say, Oi! Rick the Chin is deed... I can tell you right where he is. <laughs> Nobody was threatened by Rick the Chin. You know, and, and he makes... ITV Corey makes it out like Rick the Chin was like some huge gangster. He was a loan shark. Right. There was nothing gangster about him. He would beat people up who owed him money, but that doesn't make you a gangster. And he would a loan shark. And he wouldn't beat you up if you had a sandwich to eat. <laughs> Remember? Or, or, or a plant to talk to. Right. Yeah. Remember when Rick the Chin would talk to his plants? Yeah. <laughs> he was all, Rest in peace. He was all chin and no Rick. <laughs> so now everyone has a go at ITV Corey trying to pull a Tim's dad by goading him into admitting uh, right. that he did it. But ITV Corey, he's seen the Tim's dad episode and, right. and he knows what to do here. He starts to cry and everyone goes, no. Which, how could anybody... Believe those crocodile tears. And then Seriously. man points out, you're six one and what, hundred and fifty pounds or whatever. Right. Kelly's four foot nothing. Right. And weighs seventy pounds. You're seriously so telling went, me that you couldn't stop her, and he's like, "Well, you weren't there." So. <laughs> you were there, man. It was yeah, a man. She was. She was. She was crazy. She was like a crazy person doing her karate chops. Shouting haya. How anybody can believe this is just boggles the brain. I know. This is his defense. Seriously. And nobody says to him, really? Except for Imran. And even even then, you know, you'd think Imran would have gone harder on him. When Eli takes a stand, he backs up ITV Corey's story. And Kelly the Chin gets taken away when she stands up and shouts that uh, Eli's a fucking liar. And... Uh, ITV Stefan has paid him off and probably paid off the judge too. Right, it, which she shouldn't have said the thing about the judge. We forgot to mention when ITV Corey starts crying, he starts shouting for his dad. It's like, Dad, Daddy, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry, Dad, that I did this, Dad. ITV Stefan is <clears throat> suddenly reading one of his magazines. Which kid is this? Right. <laughs> Oh, but it was so... I don't know. If, if 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 a young man did that in court, that would make oh, me believe him less, not more. He's not a credible... And I, I know we're kind of swayed because we know him. Right. But honestly, I don't think I found him credible at all. Right. And so many people have come up on the stand and talked about how... He's a bully. How much of a bully he is Nasty and piece how of violent work. he is. Right. Imran goes out of his way to prove that Eli knows what mitigation means after pointing out that he couldn't really have seen what happened 
as he was too busy assaulting Nina at the time. Right, which he's already admitted to. Right, good point. Then it's Tommy O's turn and he goes down in everyone's estimations when he goes on about how great a guy ITV Corey is to yeah, Sabine. Apparently at one point he <clears throat> broke up a fight. <clears throat> he broke up fights on the training pitch. He's a good guy. And Imran chooses not to mention the fact that uh, ITV Corey was capable of breaking up a fight between two athletic grown men right. and yet was incapable of swapping up Kelly the chin right. he misses this open goal and instead goes out of his way to prove that Tommy O doesn't really know ITV Corey at all right which was a fair point right yeah how much how much are you hanging out with these young you know teenage players Tommy O doesn't that seem a little creepy that you'd be hanging out with him, Tommy O? No, basically. How do you know about his attendance, Tommy O? All he said was that he hasn't played with him. Anything that he knows, it's stuff that he's been told about. Basically, yeah, it's and hearsay. Let's call that hearsay, shall we? Yes. <laughs> Nobody's objecting to any of this. Right. But Imran does get him to say, you don't know, you don't know ITV Corey at all. And Tommy O says, nah, not really. No. So, so what are you doing here? So what was the point of that? Right. right, the point is to do a little razzle-dazzle and Abby thinks the judge has, uh, she has did, eyes. The, the judge did kind of sit up and give For herself a little shiggle. Right. right, yes. For Tommy O. He's <laughs> a legend. He was a legend. In his own mind. Meanwhile, Abby has a beaner bond about ITV Stefan's money and something that Kelly the Chin said when she accused him of bribing people. And she discovers that the guy that she'd seen earlier is actually Eli's, Eli's dad. dad. Which makes sense. She says that ITV Stefan reacted to this accusation. Later, she does some research online and finds evidence that Eli's dad has been accepted and a golf club that ITV Stefan's in and right. has recently received an unlikely merited promotion ITV right. Stefan's he's, he's company. He's been given a job at ITV Stefan's company when before he was a delivery driver for some other company, right. that there are pictures of them online on Facebook, but that only happened like two weeks ago. Right. Yeah. So Lou's kind of dodgy that ITV Stefan has paid off Eli's dad to get Eli to go along with ITV Corey's story. Here's the thing. If it was that easy for Abby, a mechanic, right. to do this searching online... And finding evidence online, you know, doing the the social media forensics sort of thing. If it was that easy for her to do it, why why have the police not done that? And why has Imran not done that? Right. Or the prosecution, who are right. who, once again right. the prosecution have nothing to say in a way about this. And Kev, meanwhile, would much rather that Abby just came to bed. Right. And that's the end of this week's oh, episode. God. Kev was so annoying this week. <laughs> like like him with Simon. Because Simon and Amy are there for for part of this. They're Amy's the hilarious court. as well. Amy's great. I'm Amy's the only great. one in my family who's not been to prison. <laughs> Including you, cuz. <laughs> yeah. Yes, but you have been pregnant and you have had an abortion. But, so. uh, but yeah, Kev decides to have a slanging match where... Uh, with Simon. 19-year-old wee boy or whatever. Right. Who just wants to get his hole. Right. God bless him. God Holy bless was. him. <laughs> God bless him. You know, and, and makes it out. And Simon rightly points out to him, yeah, but Nina has said that Kelly didn't do it. And Kev's just like, well, let's just see about that. Well, we'll that. see. 
What? Yes, Kev, we will see. Shut up, Kev. Right. Go back to wearing hats with feathers in them and walking around naked. He doesn't seem to be wanting to... I don't know if he's just trying to uh, protect Abby from all this. Right. But you can't protect Abby from all of this. And why would you Why would you want to try? She's Abby. Right. She's the best. I think the sad thing from this whole thing, from Nina's point of view, is the relationship that she had with Seb, she's looking back on now as being perfect. And this is going to be the barometer for any relationship that she has right. in the future. And this is what everything's going to be judged against. Right. So how does anyone compete with a ghost? Right. And she now she now blames herself a bit for... For running away. Right. And she, she thinks that this is why it's taken her so long to remember. Do you think they're going to find that rucksack on Monday? Floating down the river? Because well, it didn't They've see. already found blood on him. He, he was already... He already had blood on him. Right. And yet he did the same... He claimed the same thing that Kelly did, that he has blood on him because he was trying to get... Right. Kelly to stop. I don't know. I think the rucksack is, is long gone, but God, on Monday when you're reminded of how convoluted that was... Yes. He had his training stuff in his backpack. Right. So he changed out the gear that he killed or he kicked Seven. Seb with into his other gear right went home washed all that no he stowed the rucksack went home in one gear took another rucksack with other clothes to, to, he no, seemed to get no, changed no. like six or seven times I was like, he he had changed and he was going to leave the rucksack by the side of that building but then when he came out of the woods a jogger came by so he thought better of it and took it and went back and got the rucksack, and that's when he threw it in the river. And then he went home, and he washed everything that he had on him. Although, in the flashback with Asha, he's still wearing that hooded sweatshirt and laughing at Tenet, which is not a great movie, <laughs> and also is not a funny movie. Oh, this is killing me, <laughs> he says. I think that was meant to be kind of foreboding. Yes. Oh, this is killing me. Oh... It's so funny watching Robert Pattinson walk backwards. And not masturbate in a windmill. <laughs> or a lighthouse. Lighthouse. Right. Your thoughts on... Apparently the new Batman with Robert Pattinson is quite good. And uh, <sighs> it's like a horror movie. Your thoughts on skating on your... <laughs> uh, on this week's worth of trial stuff? I thought they did it. I thought it was really excellent. And yeah. I said I said to you at one point, all of this stuff is so good. The writing's good. The direction is good. The acting is good. The cinematography is good. Everything is good. Everything is so good this week. It just makes you even angrier at the weeks and the storylines that are horrible because this just proves that they can do good work on this show. Right, I, right. I, 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 last week was such a nothing burger so bad. of anything. So bad. But it's like they, they have 
the you slot can... where they know that this is going to happen in this week. Right. So we have to get to this week. Right. And we can't give anything away until we get to this week. Right. So they're stretching stuff out and they're stretching stuff so thin to make it last long enough to get to the point where we're actually going to care about it again. Yes. It's... But let's remember, last week they had Maria go full Britney on <laughs> the underworld van because her son has asthma. It's Maria, bitch. Yes. It's Maria, bitch. That should have been the storyline title. <laughs> Kicking myself now. It's so obvious. Just not too hard. Don't kick yourself. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, you know... It, we have to fill time to get to this point. But right. when we get but to this point... But can we fill time in a better way? Well, it, it's... The, the, the risk that's been run is that you don't care about this by the time we actually get to the point right. where it's going to be good. It's a little frustrating that we're spilling into next week. I knew that was going to happen. I said last week, what if this goes into the following week? And it should do. It's a murder trial. You don't right. get through that in two days, right? But it's still a little frustrating for us. It's frustrating as a viewer. This needs to end Monday. This this must end Monday. Well, we have Abby having to give to the police her evidence. And I'll tell you why this must end Monday. Why? Because it ain't on Wednesday. What do you mean it ain't on Wednesday? It isn't on. It's Monday and Friday. That's all we get next week. What? Why? I don't know. Football? I don't know. Something. So this needs, to, this needs to come to a conclusion Monday. And when it does... What's happening? Call it now. With any luck, this means Corey, is, Corey goes down for this. I think the involvement of the charity stuff, it means that we can't play, we can't play this clever. We, we can't play, we can't do a Tim's dad with this and no. stretch it out further. No. We, we need, this needs to have a conclusion where, yes. where evil is seen to be uh, punished. Yes. So ITV Corey has to get sent down. Yes. I worry for Kelly, Kelly the chin because I mean I think there's a show is saying that the perfect ending is that she gets off. She shouldn't get off. She shouldn't get She's off. She's involved in it and an instigator. She's an accessory. And definitely an, an accessory. It frustrated me so much though because you know Corey when talking about her slapping Nina you know, the way he's like, I don't know why she did it. She just did it because she's a crazy person. And it's like, she did it because you spurred her on to do it. Because she had, she had a crush on you. She wanted to be your girlfriend. That's why she did the whole video thing as well. And it's so frustrating as a viewer to know this, to remember all of this and for it not to come up and for nobody to say anything. I mean, it was such a relief this week for Imran to finally say, wait a second, Corey has a motive. It's jealousy. Right. That's, you know, his motive for doing all of this. It has nothing to do with the way Nina dresses. Well, I don't know if it has nothing to do with it. I think I think it certainly gave him the verbal ammunition. Right. But if it hadn't been dressed mm-hmm. the way she was, if she was a f- overweight, balding Scotsman, 
just plucking that out of thin air. <laughs> then Corey would have been shit. Oh, you baldy bastard! Yeah. Right, you fat bastard. You fat shit bag. And, and, you, and you say I don't eat babies in Mike Myers movies. In my belly. Michael Myers. No, no, Mike Myers. I always yeah. get those two mixed up. Yeah. It's the William Shatner mask. It's the, the, the next Halloween movie is going to be <laughs> interesting when it also gets them mixed up. <laughs> <coughs> That's a Canadian trying to do a Scottish accent. Yes, over Monday and over people. and over again. Right. Why is he so obsessed with doing Scottish accents in all of his movies? <clears throat> so it would have been something. He wants to be you. It would have been something had, yes. it, had it not been. But the, I think the prime motivator, I think Imran's right. Yeah, the prime motivator And I don't think it's jealousy. Asha's fault. It's not Asha's fault. But I, I think, think she did probably, to some extent, she was with Corey while she was loving Nina. And maybe that was, maybe ITV Corey knew that. Right. But I don't think we can blame, you can blame Asha no, for not, that. because it's not she's, a case of blaming. It's, she's a teenager and she's also... That was an abusive, grooming, intimidating relationship that she was in. She was terrified of ITV Corey. As was Kelly. You see that. So are, are we suggesting that uh, Kelly the Chin has done as well? And is it murder or is it manslaughter? I would like for him to get murder. Not manslaughter. Because I, I want him... I want him to hurt and I want him to suffer. I'm really worried about how people on the show keep going on and on about, oh, it's it's two different justice systems for between us and them. Mm-hmm. The money. And how, you know, the money is so important and stuff. It almost feels like the show is trying to let us down gently that Corey's going to get off. He better not get off. Though. He better not go off. I, I can't see how they can do that. No. Whilst having uh, the, the the charity involvement in it, the Sophie Foundation. Oh yes. Yeah, he's he's got to be sent down. I. See, I, I think I think, I think Monday, Kelly Kelly uh, will get like ex- I hope what I hope is that Kelly will get like accessory to murder and then have like time. Served or something. I don't think you get months for an ex- being an accessory to murder. Hmm. And murder is, remember, the, the intent was to kill. It was premeditated. Yeah. I'm not, I, think, I think that's a tough one to sell. Do you think um, Kelly the Chin's mum is going to take the stand? <laughs> I hope not. Because it got, that got brought up back up again. Well, in know? that case, it's going to happen. If it's brought up again, with, it's going to with, happen. With Kelly buttering Imran up and saying, you know, I don't have anybody. She's not great, but she's all I got. Right. You'd think he'd put Toya on the stand as as Kelly. Make it an entire family affair. Right. Because why not? The, the court seems to be okay with the fact that <laughs> we're putting... And it's just reinforced over and over again because Sabine still has Imran's last name. She's still a Habib. Uh-huh. It's still Mr. So Habib. Mr. Habib, Mr. Habib. I liked how uh, the show did that thing with her name. What does Sabine mean? What's the interpretation? Oh, yeah, it was all the a, cool a breeze. Cool wind, yeah. By Davidoff. Yeah. Your moment of the week. It's got to be Roy's wave, doesn't it? Uh, Roy's wave. It's either that or... 
It's either that or Todd spilling that field. No, out. it's not. It's either it's either Roy's wave or it's it's Imran's uh, moment with Dev. Or is it Nina saying "Say my name" and going full Breaking Bad on Sabine? Oh, I don't know. A single moment. I think if we're talking about a moment, a single moment, I really feel like it's it's Nina walking in, and and Roy's wave and just the build up to everybody, you know, and right. then and then the camera panning up. And, and seeing her behind that sheet of paper and, and she's back to our Nina as as we want her to be. Yeah, I, I think we have to. But we have I, to. But I think doing the whole entrance thing, it, it does include the, the Roy right. wave. I feel sorry for Imran and Dave because that scene was fantastic as well. But, in fairness, you give it to Imran a lot and we give it to Dev a lot. And we give it to Nina, never. <laughs> And we, we give it to Roy, Roy never. never. They what? are four of our favourite characters. One more time, with feeling then. Nina, Nina's entrance Nina is our... Interests and, and Roy's wave is our... Moment of the week. Moment of the week. Boring moment of the week. Alina refreshing her phone over and over again, waiting for a text from Tyrone. I'll go with that. That's our... Boring moment of the week. A boring moment of the week. Well, let's wrap this one up then. And spike it on the bottom. I have a kilt to squeeze into tomorrow. Rawr. If you've Why ever... are you rowing? You're rowing at yourself? I look good. I'm sorry. <laughs> you do. If you've ever ironically missed an open goal with a footballer's testimony... Write in to tell us about it. We're the talk of the street at gmail.com and we're at Cory Podcast on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. You can shout me and Helen a coffee by heading to ko-fi.com, that's ko-fi.com slash the talk of the street. Check out the clicky clicky section of vogel.co.uk for links to our merch store and YouTube channel. And if you're so inclined, please leave a rating and a review on the iTunes or your podcast provider of choice. Thanks for making it to the end of another episode. We'll be back next week, back home with more the talk of the street and less dogs although he's been a very good boy cheerio bye